Between the Cracks podcast. I'm your host, Bill. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, it is 2021, episode one of the new year. Little buddy, the world needs to know. How be you? Well, you know, same shit, different year. Right. Oh no, bud. We were, right? No, we were looking for something way more optimistic on your part. I mean, we ended last week with that great story of uh, Saru Briarly, and the downloads have been soaring on that one. And I thought that we were providing a sense of inspiration not only to our listeners but to us as well. But what happened? Well, I think uh, I won't be alone in uh, saying that. 2020 uh, being gone, good riddance. Yeah. I mean, who the fuck wants to go through that again? I mean, who saw that coming? But, I mean, is there any uh, hope on the horizon? (laughs) I don't seem to see any. Seriously, I know. It looks like 2021 is big of a drag. Just being out in public without having a fucking cloak your body. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm so fucking over the mask, dude. I fucking hate it. I get infuriated when I try talking to somebody with it on and they can't hear what I'm saying. I just want to rip the thing off my face at that point and their face. It's just like <laughs> what I can't do. What happens to me, dude, is when I'm talking, you know, I have the thing on the gator and I'm fucking talking. It'll be sucked into my mouth. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> eating the fucking thing while trying to talk. Or you know, you see people and the fucking mess is all. <laughs> It's all crooked on her face. <laughs> oh my dude, the thing slides up and down and Oh dude, when I'm at the gym, oh my god, it looks so stupid. Like if I'm squatting, like the, I swear to god, the fucking mask will just like rise. Like if if if, if there's tension, like I'm pushing weight or something like that, the mask will start to rise. So like after I finish a set, like my <laughs> the, You're wearing a fucking eye patch. <laughs> fucking above my eyes, half of it's on my forehead. <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Oh my god! Yeah, it's oh it's god. seriously a fucking pain. But yeah. I mean, I, Chris, these are all little minor inconveniences uh, that we can certainly deal with, and the fact that we like to mock everybody, it, it actually gives us some good material. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess so. No, but... well, no, 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 no. I vowed to our listeners last week, Chris, that I would not allow you to be a Debbie Downer in 2021. And you know what, pal? I'm going to stick to my word because I'm a man of my goddamn word. You got that, Chris? And I'm not going to allow any more negativity on tonight's show because, bud, there's nothing but good news flowing down the pipe with that. (laughs) (laughs) I say... say, If you say so. (laughs) Well, Chris, first off, let me uh, give a shout-out, bud, because we have new patrons. People have joined our Patreon page. I got one anonymous who I don't even know who the fuck it was. There was just a bunch of letters uh, mangled, uh, letters and numbers. So whoever you are, thank you very much. But we also have our good friend of the show who's actually going to be on sometime soon to discuss his book, Stalker. Our good friend August Cruz came in at our highest slot with a monumental donation to the show. So August will be getting all the privileges I don't think we want to use that word in 2021. My goodness, forgive me, Chris. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to start the new year with me ringing the alarm on you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I do take that back. Uh, but August will be receiving a mug, some stickers, and my man, he will also have rights to decide on a topic that we will do an episode on. And in addition to that, bud, we have another patron, my my beautiful little cousin out in Boston, Massachusetts, 
by way of Austin, Texas, Chris, Allie Newton has come in at one of our highest levels too. Can you believe this, Chris? Now, the, wow, yeah, support. Yeah, the one thing that Allie has always had, and Allie's mother is Vicky, who I've mentioned on the show, who is my first cousin, making Allie my second cousin. Now, the one thing that my cousin Allie has always had is great taste, which would make sense because I'm her favorite family member, Chris. And now <laughs> she has found this show, and she just wants to see us go forward and prosper. Now, could you put a price on that, Chris? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, we uh, we give our best, and um, you know what, what more can anybody ask for? Oh, you're not kidding, bud, because uh, things are taking off better than we expected. Uh, <laughs> with last week's episode that I was talking about with Saru, Saru's mom, Sue Briarly, actually commented on a post and said she was looking forward to listening to the show. That's incredible. Yeah, so I had to immediately run back and re-edit it to take out some of the uh, awkward jokes that were in there. I wanted to set a good example for uh, Miss Briarly. I did not want to uh, come across the way that I really am in real life. So I wanted to give a, a little bit of a fake portrayal of a nicer version of me. So let's just hope she doesn't venture off into any other episode. Yes, Mrs. Briarly, please, if you're listening, just stay with that one episode and there, there's no reason to go any further or... Uh, rewind on any of the other episodes. Uh, we beg of you. <laughs> Chris, the future is looking bright for us and all of our fellow BTC crackheads, bud, because the merch is selling. The new patrons are rolling in, and there are nothing but crystal clear blue skies. And you know why, pal? Because in two weeks, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary. Wow. Can you believe we made it one fucking year? No. I'd put a lot of money against us on that if we uh, made a bet a long time ago. Well, we originally started the idea for this show back in like 2016. Remember that? And then, oh. <laughs> you know what, Chris? Without any further ado, let's get into it because tonight, little buddy, we are going to be discussing the mysterious happenings of the one and only Plum Island. Now, I don't have an island, but I have two plums here. Would you like to uh, invest? Nope. <laughs> nope. We're going to stop you there. And in fact... No! Uh, no! I, I was, no! I, it's 2021! Don't do it! I didn't want to have to do it, Bill. <laughs> oh. it. oh, God. All right, Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I lasted 10 minutes before the uh, horn got sounded. Uh, but... but <laughs> With all that nonsense out of the way, let's uh, dive right into this, bud. Tell us where and what the fuck Plum Island actually is. Plum Island is an animal disease research center, and it is located off of Long Island, New York. There's been a lot of conspiracies kind of around, uh, like anything involving the government. <laughs> Yes, there there was plenty of research uh, specifically with diseases and and more specifically even potential biological warfare that could have been used on livestock in the country. So I, I think basically what it was was a way for the U.S. to kind of figure out maybe different threats that might come our way because this was around basically right around World War II. And it was shortly after that, in 1954, where they actually built a new laboratory for the anti-animal biowarfare facilities. But, of course, with 
anything related to the government, you're going to have your conspiracies. And so there are plenty uh, around this little island. Conspiracies or facts, Chris. Right. Let's start by saying that these types of diseases that are being studied, uh, which, by the way, at times they had what were, I think, referred to as hot diseases, so so active diseases. There were no uh, low-level diseases. We're talking about some very infectious diseases that not only could plague livestock, but humans as well. Yeah, you're right, Chris. And I think the most prevalent disease that they were working on containing was the uh, foot and mouth disease, uh, FMD, or the hoof and mouth disease, which is basically an infectious and sometimes fatal, bud, disease that affects, get this, cloven hoofed animals. So I remember this happened not too long ago over in Europe, and they actually had to kill and then burn a ton of livestock because there's, there was no cure for this. And the, the spread of it is rampant if you don't contain it at that certain point. You know, like a lot of these diseases that start out as just animal diseases or diseases that start out as just human diseases and then they mutate, you know, you end up getting... In fact, I think that's kind of where we're at now with this pandemic. I think it was as a result of a mutation from an animal. That's what speculation is anyway. As the story goes. Right, whichever story you want to believe. (laughs) Yes, so this... And if you really think about it, this is located off the northeast coast of the country, right? So in open water. If you were going to open a facility, I doubt anything was weaponized, but at least the disease itself was located there. It wouldn't seem like, from a security standpoint, a very good place, would it? Well, I, I, I would think that the thinking there was, because initially they had these animals and they were held in outdoor pens. And, you know, then you're dealing with, like, runoff into water and then into the sound and whatnot. So they eventually moved them inside but i'm guessing the part of the thinking about being on an island would be the fact that if one of these um infected animals were to escape or get away there would be nowhere for it to really go they could just kind of put it down it would be on the island right but you know i don't know what the transfer is to birds and whatnot so if you have birds landing in now and you have these infected animals you know that would be a big concern yeah an uh, aerial animal that, uh, that could just fly uh, anywhere we're gonna get into that chris because there's another huge conspiracy uh theory that uh, goes along with that very idea. But, you know, you, you got to think about with this hoof and mouth disease, it's a great biological uh, warfare weapon because if you could control, you know, a population's food source and infect them through that, basically, I mean, you're going to weaken the economy, you're going to weaken the human beings, you know, they're not going to have the, the proper food or to sustain themselves, right? So the effects of this or just like peeling away the layers of an onion. It's nonstop. It just keeps going and going and going. It could affect everything. They basically denied the fact that it was even there. This was kind of located around the Cold War era too, because obviously with tensions with Russia and whatnot, I think the last thing they wanted to uh, unveil was that they had a potential biological warfare center off the coast. As you mentioned, so that foot and mouth disease, apparently... And, and this is actually documented. So there were accidental outbreaks of the virus. Quite a few. Um, right. So this, as they say anyway, they said that it was eradicated from the U.S. in 1929, with the exception, though, of the stocks that were at the Plum Island Center. So in 78, there was 
an instance where the disease was actually released to animals outside of the center. And then there was a couple times in, in uh, 2004 where it was released inside the center. So this obviously is a major concern when you have not too far away a very large population of people and animals. With a facility of this type, you, you would have to make the assumption that an outbreak would happen at some point throughout the history of the, the facility. For this being an island, I mean, I think that's the best way to contain this, right? I would imagine that all the employees would then have to be forced to stay on the island and being quarantined and whatnot, right? Yeah, that's a good point, especially, God forbid, if, if these incidents happened, like you said, if this research center was located inland, you know, what that kind of effect that might have. And one thing, which obviously I would hope that they thought about too, is there's obviously other ways for disease to spread. Mosquitoes obviously is a big one. If animals outside of the research center got infected, you know, we're not talking about a huge distance to cover to get to mainland. If an insect, you know what I mean? Like were to bite or something and then transfer. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways that this could go wrong. Bro, it's about 14 miles, I think, right? From uh, the, the northernmost point on the island to the southernmost point of Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, if you look on a map, it looks like a stone's throw away. But yes, I mean, it, it, 14 miles is really not that far. I mean, for, for plenty of things, especially birds for that matter, to fly and, and to potentially spread. I mean, th think about the West Nile virus and, and how that plagued not only humans, but lots of birds that were just dying all over the place there's just obviously lots of things that have to be considered when when doing something like this look back at the to 2001 outbreak of foot and mouth in the uk dude and it just completely fucking destroyed their the agriculture and, and tourism we're, we're talking now in 2020 21 about you know constantly wash your hands and cleaning <laughs> those rules don't apply to animals okay so uh like so when this outbreak took place in the UK, dude, it spread nationwide, dude, and it just affected, you know, cattle, pigs, sheep, goats, and it it, it caused such devastation. Right, we're talking about like major consequences for things like this spreading and not containing it fast. And while we've learned, especially in this day and age, how easy it is for disease to travel from country to country, just because of how easy it is for us to fly anywhere in the world we want to especially now right i mean now we're more of a global citizenship now more than ever before yeah let's actually go into one of the biggest conspiracies which we'll tell it to you and it makes a lot of sense there is a lot of pushback like there is with any conspiracy we're saying it's all you know bs bogus Chris, you are absolutely right i mean and, and i think to you know to be calling this a conspiracy off the bat i mean we might be selling ourselves a little short here we have to dig into this a little bit more because you know as you said they're trying to format against this you know hoof and mouth disease and you know using that potentially as a biological weapon as we saw what happened in the UK, the devastation that caused in the early 2000s. And as you were alluding to, Chris, the uh, big whopper uh, that is intertwined with uh, Plum Island is the inception of Lyme disease, bud. Now, I've always called it, it, it's, it is Lyme disease, right? Because I always feel, I feel like everybody always says Lyme's disease. I always said Lyme's disease. 
until I realized why it's called that. Well, and then I realized that's the actual line. It, well, yeah, because it's actually uh, was first found in your hometown, bud, of Lyme, Connecticut. L-Y-M-E. That's not where I'm from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Chris. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's give you a little bit of a, a brief history on this and how they kind of think that it may intertwine with uh, things that have happened over at uh, Plum Island. Chris, I'm going to take you back, bud. We're going to go back to the 1970s. And we're going to go back to, as I said, Lyme, Connecticut. And it was at this time, bud, that there were a group of kids and some adults. So basically a little small population of uh, people that were getting these bizarre health issues. And some were gradually getting worse and quite debilitating, you know, and some of the symptoms were paralysis. Fuck, that's horrifying. uh, Skin rashes, headache, chronic fatigue, and swollen joints, you know, knees and elbows and whatnot. It was leading up to uh, basically a a lot of hospital stays for these people because they weren't able to uh, find a clear-cut answer as to what the fuck was going on. And, you know, what happened was that, you know, they were going undiagnosed and untreated for years. But now we find out, Chris, that the longer you let it go, the more severe the devastation and ramifications of Lyme disease can be. Yeah, I think it actually can eventually become a neurological issue uh, for some people. Crazy, too, is Lyme, Connecticut, as you uh, mentioned. What happens to be a mere 17 miles away from Lyme, Connecticut? Ay, ay, ay. Not Plum a Island. little island called Plum Island. Oh, boy. So you could see how all the rumors probably came out about as, as soon as people found out what Plum Island really was and making a connection to that and these cases. And we have to remember that Lyme's... <laughs> I just did it too. <laughs> I, I don't care. We're renaming it because it's Lyme's disease. <laughs> this town is now known as Lyme's. Lyme, as we all know, is passed from animal to human. So it would make perfect sense that a facility that researches animal diseases to have a disease like this. And that goes back to what you said, Chris, like these aerial fucking uh, creatures, birds, you know, so say they were working on like a, a some form of biochemical warfare or trying to understand transmission of diseases on Plum Island. And one of these ticks got loose. A bird flew it over the fucking sound there into Connecticut. The thing lands in some weeds. A kid goes running past, gets infected. And, you know, it just spreads like that. As you mentioned, obviously, that could be a concern and whether or not. This was even, forget whether or not this was a biological warfare uh, research potential, because a lot of the people that speak out against this being a conspiracy that had been released from Plum Island, they say things, well, you know, obviously Lyme disease is not debilitating enough. It's not, a sh- it's too much of a long-term unknown thing that, that wouldn't basically do enough damage Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, paralysis and uh, swollen knees and all this other shit, constant fatigue, nothing nothing to see here, it's fine. But even if that was long-term effects, right, it doesn't really matter, regardless of the fact this was biological warfare related or not, it's still a potential thing that could have come from an island that specializes in animal disease. To me, or anybody else on the outside, I think that would make perfect sense without seeming like some whacked-out conspiracy theorist. I mean, that kind of does make sense. I mean, it's not like it's so out of the realm of possibility and i should mention there's actually a book on this topic not only dealing with lyme disease uh, you know what it's lyme disease tonight boys i don't know what to tell you i'm not going i can't say <laughs> i can't i can't say lyme disease so they uh 
it's a book written um, by uh, Michael Carroll, and the book is called Lab. 257, 257, basically takes a look at, you know, the outbreaks that you had mentioned before and the possible transmission of, whether it be intentional or accidental, release of these biochemical warfare agents. And uh, the book has, you know, obviously been debunked, uh, whatever that means, by the government. You know, you take that with a grain of salt, but it's always okay to look into these things and, and, and you know, think about it for yourself. Right. Agreed. And, and the building that the uh, biological warfare facility was held was in building 257 uh, on the island. But as you mentioned, some of the, the things that have debunked this release of this disease from the island was that basically over time, it's been discovered that Lyme disease has been around for a very, very long time. I think there was mention of it being found on a 53 hundred year old mummy but not the daddy <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I, i've got no uh, words we are uh, just, just going downhill quick <laughs> apparently it was discovered basically on this mummy after a, a autopsy was done but a, as i said that is you know all good and well but why was this only discovered in connecticut in the 70s uh, obviously you know there, there could be answers like well it could have been around for a long time and we just didn't know what it was possibly but it just seems to me that why would an outbreak occur specifically in lyme connecticut so close seriously and of course you know you gotta think about the ramifications of it too legal ramifications of it the, oh my the God, government, they're yeah. gonna cover their own ass dude i had lyme disease did i ever tell you that I got fucking oh, no. bit. Yeah, this is crazy. So this is probably like, God, I, I was in my early 20s, and I don't know how the fuck I got it, but I ended up getting a lump on my lymph node, right? So I was like, oh, shit, dude, I have fucking, this is, I have some form of cancer. I'm fucking dying, right? And then I, that was the only that. So I made an appointment to, to go get an ultrasound and do all this shit. Lo and behold, bud, I uh, go to hop in the shower, and there is a ring... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the on, signature. Yes, the signature ring on my ass, pal. Oh. So, I mean, you can imagine just how I felt going in for a lump near the nuts and then a rash on the ass. So I had to go in and deal with this only to be diagnosed with the, the aforementioned Lyme disease. But luckily for me, there were no long-lasting effects. They were able to give me the medication for it and whatnot. And uh, I don't think... Uh, I've had any long-lasting effects. I mean, you know, at least I hope not. I, I haven't been tested for it lately, but, uh, you know, who the fuck knows? It's just very horrifying to come to the realization that a small little insect like that can carry so much destruction to the human body. You know, it's just fucking wild. Diseases are very fascinating. How Just how they attack the body, how they keep themselves basically relevant in, in a sense in terms of how they infect others because obviously their goal is to infect another host and to keep spreading so it is very very interesting how it all works and as you mentioned with the ramifications let's see uh how big is lyme disease today oh well it is just only one of the fastest growing vector-borne infections in the u.s at, with about over 400,000 cases each year so I would say it got a little out of hand. Uh, you think? <laughs> so obviously the government wouldn't want that on their hands because you can imagine what they would have to, I, I don't even know what repercussions, you know, what would come down on them, but they're great at hiding things. So 
Who knows? Seriously. So, I mean, I, I think for, for that actual theory, I think there may be some substance to that one, Chris. Because, I mean, it, like you said, it's just too easy for a bird to come by or anything else and swoop the goddamn thing off and fly uh, to the coast of Connecticut. And then, boom. Now, we're going to get into my favorite Plum Island conspiracy. We're going to uh, drift a little bit away from the, the seriousness of the uh, the actual diseases of the hoof and mouth and Lyme disease, as we spoke of earlier. And we're going to get into probably the most popular story to come out of Plum Island or the... Uh, roundabout area oh plum island pal and i'm talking about the one and only montauk monster now <laughs> i'm sure by now everybody has seen this uh quote-unquote creature but uh do yourselves a favor if you have not seen it google the montauk monster and uh have yourself a look at this pretty little guy. Now, this dates back to uh, July of 2008. A young lady and some of her friends were roaming around a beach in East Hampton, New York, on the coast of eastern Long Island. They came across this bizarre creature that had washed ashore, obviously deceased. One would believe that it had been out in the water, the salt water, uh, soaking for quite some time because when uh, they snap a picture of this thing, Chris, it is hairless. Most of its skin is intact. Its facial features are... It, it, it's really hard to describe. It's almost like this creature has hooves, but with a beak of, uh, of a hawk or like some kind of chicken. We should also mention the little puff of uh, hair that is sticking out the top of uh, the creature's head, which makes it all the more unnerving. So, uh, you know, when when uh, <laughs> this poor girl and her friends come upon this thing, everybody started gathering around and looking at it, and they were like, oh, shit, this just must be some kind of mutated animal from Plum Island. So this thing has a reputation. Now, I'm not going to lie, dude. It looks like some fucking outer space creature or something from a fucking horror movie, right? Scientists have tried to identify it and, and, and do some further DNA studies on it, but get this, Chris... The body has gone missing, and no one, yeah, no one seems to know where it was, and it disappeared before any testing could be done. So, people looking at it have made some observations, and scientists had uh, taken their shot at it just by judging from this picture alone. Now, let me give you a little rundown as far as the speculation goes as to what scientists and uh, some media outlets uh, tend to believe that this creature is. Now, Chris, do you have this picture in front of you? I do. <laughs> I'm sorry for getting so personal. So let me give you the uh, rundown here, pal. And we can give our observations as to whether the identification process by leading experts is somewhat on par or bullshit. And we will give our expert opinions. All right, pal. So the first one uh, says that it looks like it might be a turtle without its shell. Judging by the head of hair on it, I'm going to dismiss that one because like I said before, it does have uh, what, what appears to be some kind of beak-like uh, <laughs> nose or whatever the fuck it is, but that just may have been wearing tear from being out in the ocean. So we'll toss that one aside. We're going to say it's not a turtle, Chris. Okay, so um, the next up is a dog and I say no, no fucking way. That is not a snout. No, I think the bone structure on a dog right the the snout area would be more prolonged wouldn't it but all right so we'll say no no to the dog it, it's hard to tell because there's really no scale like 
what's next. Like, like if somebody put a quarter next to this fucking thing, I'd have a better idea of how large it actually was. You know what I mean? I think there was a picture of it with a fly next to its body. Oh, I think I see it. Yeah, so that little thing on its back would be the fly, right? Like a horse fly or some shit? Yeah, I think so. Ooh. I don't know. That thing's pretty fucking big. To me, it looks like the size of um, a pig. So, Chris, before I cut you off here, do you think it's a larger rodent, some kind of mutated rat? That's not a logical explanation, but if I had a guess, because I can't for the life of me determine what the hell it could be that we know of, like, of animals that exist, then yeah, I would say. Because you see the tail, too. It's Granted, it's hairless, so it's tough to tell, but it does have that rodent look to it. Well, I mean, you can, you know, everybody has their own ideas. You know, there's even speculation that it was fake, which it, it very well could be because, like I said, the fucking body disappeared. So who knows who came along and took the thing or, you know, if it was a hoax and whoever put it there split with it ASAP. Because our man, Billy Wise, who is the director of Stony Brook University's Living Marine Resources Institute, and if that name could get a little longer, that'd be great. He inspected the photo and uh, apparently he thinks it's a fake. I can't tell one way or the other. I can't tell you it looks fucking gross. Uh, but there are other people that believe that, judging on the shape of the skull and the front paws, that the creature most definitely is a raccoon. And uh, it's basically just a byproduct of decomposition and having been in the water for that long. And judging by the size of it, dude, and the look of the face and tail, I could see that it could be a raccoon. People can laugh and mock, you know, people for having these different ideas about what's going on in this island. But, you know, if you're constantly in this this state of scientific investigation, right, and, you know, you're studying animals, who's to say that they're not crossbreeding animals or mutating animals to test out different vaccines on and whatnot who's to say that that doesn't happen and this could have been one that escaped we don't know the fact that it did disappear can lead to a lot of speculation you know it's either going to be fake that the person who left it there fucking split with the thing or that uh somebody from plum island came and uh whisked it away because they didn't want anybody knowing anything about it as we said that was in 2008 now this next one and i, I kind of left at this i found this in the uh new york post and this was not, I'm not laughing at it because it was a human being, apparently, that uh, the body was found on Plum Island near the disease lab itself. And I'm going to read a little bit of this article. Police on Long Island said that an autopsy determined that the partially decomposed body, right? So anything that gets in this water for, you know, any bit of time is just going to get fucking mauled by sea life, the salt water, birds and anything else. Apparently, this was a guy who's about six feet tall, large build. And the funny thing here, and that they focused on and the media got a hold of, was that he had very long fingers. Now, is that trying to uh, allude to the fact that it's some kind of alien? You know, like, or, or, or some mutated human? <laughs> like, that, that, that type of shit I, I, I find bizarre and comical. I mean, like, I mean, it's almost trying to search. The guy had long fucking fingers. I think that I think that's a probably a case of they knew that Plum Island could easily come up in the article and then they decided to put their own little twist on it to make it seem more eerie. Well, because you know when somebody or something floats up and and washes ashore on on 
Plum Island, it's odd, right? Because they are actually protected by Homeland Security. There are armed guards surrounding the island. So you can't even fucking dock there in your boat, right? They'll make you get the right to fuck out of there or, or they'll basically fucking lock you up or shoot you. It makes you wonder how the fuck this guy got there. It must have been some kind of boating accident or he was swimming or who knows if it was some sort of foul play. But, you know, the currents took his body towards Plum Island and uh, that was it. And it led to the, all this speculation, you know, the, the long fingers and whatnot, just leading to more um, of these kind of cryptic tales of mutations that are taking place on the island. I think, you know, if you do wash ashore on Plum Island, that that body or the, anybody that you find has probably been out at sea for quite some time and who knows what the hell it's going to look like by the time it gets to you chris these are just some of the weird happenings on or around plum island and it's been happening ever since uh the 1950s pal and for as long as plum island is going to be there there's always going to be some bizarre stories because anytime you're dealing with biological warfare scientific studies of animals mutated fucking species you're always going to have these bizarre stories popping up here and there but pal it might be coming to an end soon as far as the Plum Island facility itself. Am I right, Chris? Right you are. And yes, the new location of the studies that took place on Plum Island is actually going to be in Manhattan, Kansas, which is... Oh, cool. Not too far. So you're just going to go up to uh, <laughs> Manhattan. Just a quick, uh, quick train ride to the city, right? Yeah. So this obviously is in the center of the country. So it's no longer going to be located on the coast. It will now be called the National Bio and Agro Defense Facility, uh, which will have a biosecurity level lab. Uh, I think it's actually a level four. So that's highly contagious infectious diseases. I would think, Chris, I mean, the, the main concern, I mean, just looking at this from an outsider's point of view is, with this hoof and mouth disease. So, like we said before, if an animal is infected and escapes or, you know, there's a spread between the livestock there, there's nowhere for the animal to go. It's stuck on this island, right? So, the point here, though, if it we're in the middle of Kansas and this spreads and, God forbid, one of these cattle get loose... I mean, that's just farmland out there, right? So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, who fucking knows what kind of, like, what kind of damage could be done? I mean, to me, it seems like that spread would be on part of what happened in the UK in 2001. Yeah, in fact, they even mentioned that apparently in 2009, a, uh, the Government Accountability Office... Say what? The, the Government Accountability Office. Oh, I, I didn't realize... Is that, I didn't, is that an oxymoron? Yeah, I didn't realize there was such an office, okay? <laughs> they apparently said that the claim that the Department of Homeland Security made, basically saying that the the work being done with foot and mouth disease on Plum Island could be done just as safely on mainland. This accountability office said that that evidence is not supported. So there's been some back and forth between the Department of Homeland Security and the National Research Council saying that these other studies that are being done are saying that they're not so sure that, that, that this can be done properly. So regardless of that fact, this is due to open in 2023. So yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting. Um, apparently the property, not too long ago in that recent COVID relief bill, 
Democrats blocked the sale of Plum Island. They didn't want the island being purchased for basically any type of developments or anything of, of that sort because there is such a high population of bird life there, many different species of birds, which by the way, back in the day when this island was fully functional, apparently they were spraying around the building to make sure that no animal would come near the building. Well, clearly... Uh... That did not work, but <laughs> I, I agree with them. Uh, enough of these fucking homes and, and these strip malls and all this, but let the fucking birds have their place. Let, let the fucking whales and little fucking dolphins swim by. Let, let, let's let life just live for a little bit rather than having all these fucking constant inceptions of new buildings and whatnot. But what I will say, Chris, if they do have a new construction being built there, I mean, you may be opening Pandora's box if you're tearing something down, you're building something up, you're digging something up. Who the fuck knows what's lurking out there? Seriously. But yeah, I think it's a good, either uh, whether or not that's just a, a guise for them to basically to keep the island uh, unoccupied, but I, I would prefer if it was left to wildlife. So Get a fucking bird was... sanctuary and call it a day. Right. We don't need any more shit. God, why am I so negative? This is Chris. This is supposed to be our po- the, the the year of positivity, and I'm, it's falling apart right in front of our eyes. New year, new you. <laughs> yes, this is terrible. So, Chris, that's it, bud. That is uh, the case of Plum Island. But I mean, we just touched on very little. There is so much more info out there, more you know, deep rooted conspiracies or you know, factual information. However, you want to look at it. Uh, but for our little show here, we just try to pick out and pinpoint the most popular uh, stories. Oh, Plum Island. And I I think uh, we hit on most of them. Yeah, at least the most interesting ones anyway. Well, that's it. I'm going to try to keep this episode to about a hoof hour. Uh, I don't want to go any longer than that, you know? Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, God, Chris. All right, so... uh... (laughs) God. New year. New me. Same year. And I realized last week, Chris, my, my haste to get out of here and celebrate the new year, I forgot to give the rundown. So I'm going to do that today, and I'm going to do it extra special and extra sweet for you, pal. Now, <laughs> with okay. all that said, if... <laughs> oh, God, that was terrible. <laughs> with all that said, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can find Chris on Facebook at Between the Cracks Podcast. You can get me on Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. We'll answer you back quickly and uh, efficiently. Uh, and also, uh, the link, if you do want to become uh, a patron, the Patreon page is in the link in the show notes. Just click on that, and uh, there's various levels that you can join in on and various little prizes and uh, goodie bags for you guys. Like that, Chris? Goodie bags. And in addition to that, the link to our Teespring store is in the description as well. So just click on that. And I just actually got a Blue Balls mug in the mail today, Chris. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, it looks pretty good. So without any further ado, why don't you say we wish the fine, fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest. Oh, farewell. <laughs> Yeah.